It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. I'm Anthony Robertson, and here with me is the horse, Alex Horse. What's up, Horsty? What's going on, everybody? Glad to be here for another exciting episode. Also here, Alex Asenia. How's it going, Alex? Doing well, man. Super excited to be here. Super excited for us to all be together. Let's uh, let's get into this. Yeah, man. And today's going to be a fun episode. Today, the block is hot. <laughs> We're going to be talking about uh, the hot boys. 49ers linebackers, and we're going to kick it off with uh, the big guy in the middle. Um, so, Horace, how good is uh, Fred Warner? Fred Warner, to me, is the best middle linebacker in the game right now. I know not everyone rates it that way, but there is no part of the game that Fred Warner struggles with when you watch his film. He's probably got the best awareness in the game right now with Keekly gone. Um He's too athletic and too fast for guys to block. He's so smart that he o- almost always knows where the ball's going to be so the linemen can't get their hands on him. Um, he came out of BYU as a hybrid guy. He played both strong safety and linebacker. When the Niners picked him, I know uh, myself and you, Ant, were very excited once we watched his film, and I don't think either of us predicted he'd be quite this good, but he's become a fantastic player. He can cover anyone on the field he can cover any tight end fullback or running back and he could even give some people problems in the slot although that wouldn't be the Niners ideal matchup I think one of the plays that really shows how big Warner is to this defense is that interception against the Rams when everything was going poorly Fred Warner made the big play picked off the short route took it back to the house for a touchdown totally turned that game around he um, had the fourth most pass breakups among linebackers in the league this year and he also um the best quote i heard about him online was that he is the best of a new generation of linebackers what by new generation they mean the types like him jalen smith the smaller more athletic guys as opposed to the big bruising guys of years past i'm fred warner i wouldn't trade him for any player in football or for any linebacker in football and the scary thing is he's only 23 years old. Yeah, big time. He is a fantastic player. And for the age, the age thing for me is the big part because at 23, he's nowhere near close to what his prime is going to be. Um, average just under 90 tackles per season the, his first two years in the league. Um, he's increased his sack total from this past year. He had zero in his first year as a rookie. He had three this last season in 2019. Um, and his best statistical games, every single one of his best statistical games in the regular season this year, big opponents. Green Bay, Baltimore, second game in Seattle. Well, excuse me, the first game against Seattle. Um, absolutely incredible player for his age. PFF has him ranked at around a 69, which for a 30-year player is pretty pretty darn good. Um, I, I think the big thing for him is I think the knock that everyone talks about a lot and you hear about a lot is the missed tackles. I think that's probably the biggest weakness of his game. But when you're making the jump from college to pro football, when you're playing against guys who on an everyday basis typically aren't, you're not always seeing the best talent in the world. You're seeing highly talented guys at the Division One level, 
but not every guy is going to be an elite level guy. There's a little bit of a transitional period, I believe, that there needs there needs to have there, especially at the linebacker position. Um, and I think he's getting there. He is getting better. He has improved in that aspect. As Horst had mentioned, the pass coverage for him for a third-year guy is incredible. And the, th- the p- types of positions and the types of players he can cover, it's absolutely insane. Um, I-, I do agree. I think he emerged this last season as kind of the, the lead guy in the linebacking core, and the fact that he's 23 and doing that is insane. So, yeah, I, this, guy's, this guy's huge. He's going to be vastly important going forward. And as, as Horst said, I don't think there's really anybody right now at the linebacking position of football I'd rather have based on the age, the skill sets, and all the things he can do and all the things he can still become. I love this guy because um, he made me forget about Reuben Foster. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I really needed uh, somebody to make me forget because he is everything that I thought Reuben Foster could be coming out of Alabama. So, when Fred Warner's out there, I just feel like we got the best player in the middle, and that's important. I mean, from day one, he's out there. He's calling the defense. He's you know, he's going out there making all the calls and and just stepping up as a big time leader. And I think we took seen that take a big step. Uh, another thing, he's a great blitzer, which I love. But he's also like you guys said, he's so good in coverage. And this year there was a huge improvement that I think catapulted him kind of to the top of what the um, NFL's great linebackers can do. And I think a lot of that's his uh, safety background. He's so good at playing in space. He doesn't get fooled by, you know, easy combination routes. He's on those things. So I think there are some things that Warner needs to work on, but I do think that he's he's definitely in two years showed that he's one of the best players in the league. And, you know, the things that he really needs to work on moving forward is, you know, he needs to take better angles to make his tackles. I think that's one thing that we saw is that sometimes he takes bad angles and doesn't make plays. And also, um, you know, his his kind of his stops against the run dropped this year. You know, he went from uh, ninth to seventeenth. So he definitely needs to step up. And I'm sure it was a little bit different adding Quan Alexander and and Dre Greenlaw. But I think that moving forward, he can improve on those things. And I think he knows he needs to improve on those things. So as long as he keeps moving forward with those, I think he he will be you know one of the elite guys in the league. So Alex, that begs the question: Where do you think? He ranks among the best NFL linebackers. Probably, I mean, the the big thing and the big the big thing for me is, <clears throat> I feel this is when you're ranking players, the the thing that most people should be taking into account and into consideration is what have you done for me lately, not what you have done. And a lot of the ranking stuff that I've seen has put a lot of emphasis on what linebackers and guys in the league have done for the past seven or eight seasons. And not so much on the things they have done this last year. They look at one drop in statistical production and they'll say, okay, well, you know, that's, well, that's not good. They've done a lot of good for the, the previous seven years. And I think there needs to be more of a balance and weight of what are you doing currently? Where are you at in your career? Guys in their mid 30s or early 30s who are having their first down year, while that's, you know, not a good thing, but also not necessarily a sign of decline. Um, you know, football is a physical sport. It's demanding. It takes a toll on the body. So when you're getting into your early 30s, mid 30s, and you're starting to have a down year, or you have your first big down year, that's not typically a, a sign of a, a lapse or like a bad year. It's usually the, the sign of decline, like twilight's coming and, and you're about ready to get up on that horse and ride off into the sunset. Uh, this kid's 23. Right. And he hasn't had a worse season. <laughs> His seasons have progressively gotten better each and every game to the point that, you know, he was leading one of the best defenses in the league into a Super Bowl. Um, that's usually a sign of great things to come, not, 
you know, oh, he's 23 and yeah, he has, you know, a, a couple of issues. Of course he has a couple of issues. He's a young guy. He's still learning to transition to the league. Give him a couple more years. And I don't think anybody's going to be talking about him being anything other than a top three linebacker in the league. I'd say comfortably right now, though, he's probably in the in my top 15 easily. You know, I think he's a top 10 guy in the league. Um, I CBS Sports ranked him number nine coming into this season. And I think he might even deserve to be a little higher than this. But, yeah, I think, like you said, he's within the next two, three years, he's probably going to be in the top two or three. Uh, he's got a crazy amount of potential. I'm still just a big fan. That's all. Like you said, there's a couple <laughs> things he needs to clear up with the bad angles, missed tackles. But for him to be this far along as a third-round pick at 23 years old, I think he's got a lot of potential. I think he could end up the best middle linebacker in the league. I think a lot of it, too, has to do with uh, what we believe are the most important things. And I think when you worry about things that can be fixed, like mental parts of the game, right, things like not recognizing uh, different offensive sets or or not being in the right spot in, spot in coverage, that's all mindset. That's all things that you need to remember with your mind and those he all executes at a high level. So anything physically that you need to get better at, he can do, right? He can get better at tackling. He can get better at taking angles. He can get better at, um, you know, those type of things. So I think really to me, he's a top five guy. Uh, I think right now he's sitting in the top 10 just cause he needs to clean these things up. But I, I do think that he'll be a top five guy by the end of the year and maybe mentioned in the top three, because even the guys ahead of him aren't ahead of him by a lot. And I think all around, if you're talking about an all-around player, he does everything well. And I think once he cleans up the little things, he'll be uh, he'll be really great. And, you know, when you're talking about Fred Warner and kind of the attitude that goes with Fred Warner and the attitude of the defense, you know, um, I want to talk about some of his running mates since we're talking about the Hot Boys. Alex, what do you think about Quan Alexander? Great name, first off. What a, what a name, especially that last name. At Alexander, it's, a, it's wonderful. We got a couple Alexanders in this room, and I think he's the, the best of, of the two of us. Wouldn't you agree, Horst? Disagree. Disagree, dang. All right, well, I was, I was hoping to get one agreement there. Uh, but uh, no, he's, um, I think of the three, he's probably the guy that there's the most question marks about. Uh, and obviously because of the injury injury stuff, especially the last few years, um, he hasn't really been able to stay on the field as much as, as I know we would like him to have been last year, and I know he wanted to have to be last year. Um, but the, the, the big thing with him is the grit and the toughness, um, the things he's had to overcome and deal with in his career um, and have to do all of it and overcome it all at a young age. He's 25, going to be 26 this year. Um, he's only been in the league, what, four? I think this is year five, isn't that? Is it not? I believe it's five. Um, he's had two pretty, pretty big major injuries that he has come back from and bounced back from and played at a high level uh, because of it. Um, and I mean, it, what, eight games this year because of the pec injury, um, he only played in about 54% of the snaps once he was back in, in the playoff run. Uh, and so a lot of the production numbers, it's really hard to judge him based on what he was doing at the time because he was limited in terms of how much he was playing and how much of, of that was rust and how much of that was him still dealing with the fact that he was playing through a, a torn pec injury, uh, but still through eight games, 22 tackles. Um, and the big thing for me is the QB rating that he allowed, which was 54, 56.4, I believe. Um, so he's wonderful in the pass. 
Um, they, they talked a lot about missed tackles and a lot of the stuff that I was reading for him this past season. But again, hard to judge that when the guy's out there playing with a pec injury and every single one of those tackles has got to be absolutely painful and distraught. Every time he makes it makes a hit or tries to lay a hit on somebody, it's got to be the most uncomfortable thing in the world to, to be doing that with that kind of injury. So I'm not willing to, to write him off as a guy who isn't <clears throat> one of the more talented guys in the linebacking core. I think he is. Um, I think the big thing is just keeping him on the field. Um, the the pro football focus rated Quan the 48th best linebacker in football last year. And I think anyone that watches multiple 49er games can tell you that that's not really the case. That if you if you're talking about the eye test, Quan's a big time player. He's all over the field, like you said. Is his passer rating against is in the 50s. Um, and there were two Quans last year. One was the first eight games. They were 8-0 when he played. After that, when he came back, while his effort and all that was commendable, impressive to come back from that injury, he was clearly not the same player. His tackling really suffered. He was still in the right spot, but he missed a lot of plays he would make before that injury. I still commend him. I think it was incredible that he was able to do that for his teammates, come back in six, seven weeks from a torn pectoral muscle. That's incredible. And like you said, he must have been playing through an unbelievable amount of pain. But so the first eight weeks, I think we're talking a top 20, 25 linebacker. He has, as a player, he has his faults, but he's, he's high energy, high effort. And he's another smart guy. And he's another guy that's really good in coverage. And I think if we get him healthy for a whole year, he'll definitely improve on that 48th ranking. He's uh, exactly like Fred Warner. I mean, exactly. Struggles a little bit with the tackling, great in coverage, probably one of the best uh, cover linebackers in the league. So when they're on the field together, I mean, it's definitely one of the best tandems as far as against the pass. Um, so their struggle is against the run, which we saw last year. The 49ers kind of had struggles against the run, both interior defensive line and linebackers made sometimes, you know, giving up more yards than they probably should have. But I think that Quan Alexander stats are a little skewed because like you said, Alex, he comes back from the injury. So the numbers aren't going to make sense because he actually rated out to being dead last in tackles last year, which is, you know, not good, but. I think that that number is going to improve this year. I, I can't see any reason why he's not going to get better. The one thing that he brings that um, we haven't seen from the other linebackers is turnovers. He has six career interceptions and also a couple uh, fumbles. So that's a guy that can create problems, make things happen on the field, which Fred Warner doesn't always get done last year. We've seen him have the interception, like Horst said, and Alex said he had the interception, and then also um, the interception in the Super Bowl where he jumps in front of Tyreek Hill and makes a pick. So – you're seeing the growth, and I think he's only going to get better. And I think Quan adds to that. Quan is definitely uh, a good person to have on the team. So then, you know, that kind of begs the question, Horse, what kind of intangibles, what kind of things does Quan Alexander bring to the linebacking core? Well, he's the guy that coined the term hot boys. He brings the energy. He brings he brings the noise. <laughs> the noise. The noise. noise. He's, uh, he, he's all over the field. He fires the whole team up. You see him on the sideline getting everyone hyped up. He's definitely the defense's hype man. He still has the all-time best quote. 
when they asked him when Demarcus Lawrence from the Cowboys said he stole the name Hot Boys from them, and his response was, "Y'all was mediocre." <laughs> and, um, he ain't lying. So Quan, in that regard, is one of the top guys in the game as far as intangibles because he's fired up. That guy's never gotten out of bed on a bad foot on bad footing. He's always ready to go, always ready to rock. When he was on the sidelines in a sling, he was acting like that when he was hurt. And the other thing about him was, I mean, him playing through his brother. Just de- I think his brother got murdered on Friday, right? Right. On a Friday when he was on the Buccaneers, came out for the Fal- against the Falcons and was the defensive player of the week that week. And that award was not just handed to him because his brother died. He legitimately deserved it. He made plays all over the field. And that's the first time I actually knew who Quan Alexander was, was when that happened. Um, and then, lo and behold, two years later, we sign him, and he's bringing the same type of thing to San Francisco. And he brings those kind of things that can't be measured in statistics, can't be measured in a scorebook. He just brings the fire. He brings the intensity. Yeah. Um, he. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that, because that was the first time that I had ever heard of him, was that, that game. Um and he is—he has always been that—that that guy, the the hype guy. He's almost like the identity of that linebacking core. He's the guy that kind of built up this idea of what they are, and that they're the ones that bring bring the heat. Essentially, that's why they're the hot boys. They're mm-hmm. the ones that set the tone. They're the ones that get the job done. They're, they're the ones who set set the the pace for the defense in terms of we're gonna come out, hit you in the mouth, put pressure. You're not gonna get the things that you want. You're gonna take what we give you. Um, he he is just. Like you said, the, the hype man is the best word for it. Uh, and the big thing for me is, despite the fact that he finished dead last in missed tackles, Pro Football Focus still had him ranked at a 61. And he only played eight games. I mean, the dude is just... Uh, there is no... There's nothing nothing on him but for his motor other than go and go full speed. And that's what those young, those other young guys need, need with someone like that who knows nothing else other than pedal to the metal, full throttle, Let's get this thing done, and let's let's have fun doing it. Um, they're going to be extremely dangerous to deal with that that trio for for hopefully the next five or six years. Uh, drip, 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 drip. <laughs> um, this this dude is straight dripping swagoo all day long. Uh, from the moment he steps on the field until the moment he gets in his car, he brings the intensity of every single player around him up. He brings guys out of their shell. He makes people excited to play football. And when you're excited to play football, you play better football. You know, I mean, that was the thing is you can get too uh, mentally into it and not and forget to have fun. And when you don't have fun, the stress of the league kind of weighs on you. The stress of the game times weigh on you. And I think that he, he keeps it loose. He keeps it fun. And that's the kind of swag you saw with the defense last year. And I think that can be really attributed to Quan Alexander. And I think also the turnovers. I mean, I, it's, it's no coincidence that he comes in in the first year. He comes in, they go from two turnovers to, what was it, like 33 turnovers? <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous how good he is as far as just, you know, he makes people go after the ball. I mean, look at Fred Warner. He carries the ball everywhere he goes now because Quan Alexander carries, told him to carry a ball, and he carries the ball. So it's about getting that ball because the ball is the most important thing in, in the game. And, Ever since they started doing that, I think it's it's really taken a life of its own. I think the Hot Boys has taken a life of its own. It's created a, a different type of defensive atmosphere. 
now Salah's intensity is showing through his players. I think that he's the he was the perfect guy to kind of fit into that, and I think that's why John Lynch targeted him when he got him. So, Horace, let's talk about another hot boy. Let's talk about Dre Greenlaw. How good is uh, Dre Greenlaw? I just remember when we watched the first preseason game last year, obviously I knew the name of Dre Greenlaw. He was a guy they drafted in the fifth round. Didn't know much about him other than that. We both were watching that game, texting each other back and forth. And I think at some point we both text each other, who the heck is 57? Because that guy, because that guy was everywhere in the second half of that first game. And then all four preseason games, it was like Greenlaw, every time he came in, made two or three plays that made you take notice and realize that he was going to be something special. Now, I didn't think he would be as good a player right away as he was. He, when he stepped into the lineup, he went from first playing about 30% of the plays, but past the halfway mark of the season, even before Quan was hurt, he was playing 50% of the plays. And then obviously when Quan went down, he played even more than that. He took a lot of his reps at weak side linebacker. Um, for a rookie, he's pretty solid all around the board. I mean, he's they had him on PFF, had him on their all rookie first team above Devin Bush, who was a first round pick, and Pittsburgh's happy with him. So I think that should tell you how good of a year Dre Greenlaw had as a rookie. Um, yeah, no complaints here with that fifth round pick. That seems to be a good round for the uh, Shanahan-Lynch combination. <laughs> Definitely is. Definitely is a good round for him. Uh, yeah, 68 tackle rookie campaign is pretty crazy considering I, it was only 11 games, I think, in which he played and, and or started in. Um, the the impressive thing or the, the, the part about his game that was the kind of standout for me was the first game after Quan went down and how solid he was top to bottom in his performance. We didn't didn't get beat much in pass coverage. I think he had his I think he had a pass defense in that game. Um, where I was sitting there and I remember talking to you when Quan went down and was like, Yeah, I'm worried about the D. Like I was worried right. and the first name that you put out was Drager and on. He said, I, I think we're not as bad off as we're gonna as you think we're gonna be. That kid is pretty impressive. I think uh, and, and the pass rush is gonna be able to help him especially hide some of the things that maybe he he's weak in early in the season, then he really wasn't weak at all in the pass coverage. Um, he ranked as one of the top, I think, two or three guys in missed tackles. He only missed 2.1% of his attempts all season, which is insane for a rookie. Uh, and if he can just continue to grow and develop with, with that group of guys, he's not going to be someone who we're going to be leaning heavy on in terms of being the guy. He's got two guys above him who have, either been the guy and Quan was in, in Tampa for a while before the big injury. Um, and we're still looking for him to be the guy here as well as Fred Warner, who stepped up and shown that he can be the guy. Dre doesn't have to be the guy right now. He just has to be, like you said, another one of the hot boys, which he's already shown he can do. So yeah, Dre Greenlaw, you know, he had to play, he had to start 11 games last year. He had to play 71% of the snaps and, you know, he, he worked all through uh, training camp and through the beginning of the season at uh, the Sam linebacker, strong linebacker. And, you know, once Quan got hurt, then he had to shift over. And that was a big adjustment. He even admitted he didn't really know everything that was happening. Even at the end of the year, he wasn't very, you know, confident on all the calls and everything he was supposed to do. 
So for him to play as well as he did, not really understanding everything that was going on, I think just goes to show how great of a talent he is. The fact that he only missed 2.1% of tackles is unbelievable compared to the other two who have higher rates. It just shows that he's a you know for sure tackler. He's going to make every play that he possibly can. I think one of the interesting things, uh, I wasn't really considering him a great cover guy when he came in and he was drafted. I don't think anyone really thought that's what we were looking at. But then when you look at the numbers, you know, he stepped right in and he has a, a, a coverage grade of 72.5, which is outstanding. Fred Warner is at 74.8, and then Quan Alexander at 79.7. So they're literally three of the best cover guys in the league. You know, and he's just making plays. And, and Dre's a, a very confident guy, but he's not over the top exuberant like the other guys are. Um, he doesn't rock weirdly like Horse does. Um, <laughs> he's just a, you know, he's, he's, he's a fun guy to watch. And I, uh-huh. I think he's a good player. Um, I'm definitely curious to see how good he can be. Alex, do you think he could be a top linebacker in the league? I, I do. I, I do. I think it's going to take probably a, a little bit more time just because it's it, he's going to be adjusting back and forth with positioning. I don't know what they're going to do with the three of them in terms of where they're going to put them all, like where they're going to play them. But I think in, in time, probably about another two to three years, that he can be a guy similar to Greenlaw, who, or excuse me, to uh, – why did I just blink there? Warner. Um, that you're going to have to have a conversation of him probably being in the top five. I don't know about top three right away, but in the top five. The, the tackling percentage, the coverage percentage as a rookie – some people want to say that that's maybe contributed to the great D line and the fact that he's got guys like Kwan and Fred Warner. Um, but that's the situation he's in and you can only, you can only kind of grade him out and view him based on the environment he's playing and you can't play fantasy pretend land in which he's the only linebacker on a terrible team. And what would happen if you plugged him in here and you don't know, um, this is what he is. This is what he's doing. And if it continues, and there's no sign that that's not going to happen. Every, all three of the linebackers that we got right now have improved. Well, the, the two, the two young guys have shown drastic improvement from their first time till now. Um, and Kwan, despite the fact that he only played a few games, when like Horse said, when he was in, eye test wise, he checks all the boxes, especially in this defense with Sala. So I don't, I don't believe we have anything else here other than potentially, maybe eventually one of, one of the greatest. 49er linebacking core that, that has ever existed in the franchise's history. It's going to take a couple of years, I think. These young guys got to get some a little bit more experience into them both. But if in a couple of years we're talking a couple Super Bowls uh, with this defense leading the leading the way and this linebacking core pushing pushing the the tempo and the team forward, uh, I think there's a legitimate argument to be made there. Um, with Greenlaw, first of all, he's already cemented himself in 49er lore with the hit on Hollister. At the goal line to clinch the division, we all hate Seattle. So take that, take good. that, Carol. You gum chewing, you gum chewing <laughs> man. The only thing that would have made it better is if he hit Pete Carroll, who flew into Russell Wilson. And so I think, like Alex said, this group's got nowhere to go but up. I think that um, Greenlaw has definitely got the potential to be a several-time Pro Bowl type guy. This linebacking core, I think, is one of the better cores in the league. And it's kind of funny how their years with Harbaugh were led by a big-time linebacker play with uh, Willis, Bowman, Alden Smith, and Ahmad Brooks. 
and come back around. Obviously, their defensive line is great, but how they were able to get another set of great linebackers, I think if you can ask some fans of long-suffering teams, that doesn't always come around that quickly. So they've done a great job getting that linebacker core back together after Willis and Bowman were forced to retire. So I think the and I think the future is only going up with these guys. I think they're going to be a great group. I think the fact that he played so well in his first year, I think any time that that happens, it, you know, and he played in the biggest games and it didn't seem like the biggest games were too much for him. It seemed like he was real comfortable. He made plays. Yeah, the interception in overtime against Seattle, which at the time I thought was going to get the 49ers the win. Who knew that we had, um, you know, the hooker that was the kicker. Oh, what uh, was that guy's name? I don't even know what his name was. His he, name. He, no, he fades into irrelevance. I hope right. he doesn't I, exist anymore. I hope he doesn't know his name. <laughs> yeah, wasn't it like Parky or something? I don't know. Something no, <laughs> every Chicago fan right now is crying. <laughs> right, it's Ray Finkel. That's what it was. But um, you know that was. I mean, he was in a tough spot. But shoot, I I really thought that great or uh, Drake Greenlaw had won that game. For us, with that interception, it was a great play, undercut the route, and, um, you know, dropped in his zone. But, you know, when you look at Dre Greenlaw, you, you really see somebody that, you know, it, as soon as he gets the mental part of it all the way down, I think he'll play faster, which is going to be important because I think the 49ers linebacking core is the fastest in the NFL probably. And just the way they fly around, I think it is, like you said, going to show big time that Lynch, you know, and the, the scouts of the 49ers, they can draft linebackers. They've hit, you know, in back-to-back years with big-time linebackers. So it is it is going to be curious to see who starts where. So, Horse, who is going to start at Will Linebacker this year? Is it going to be Quan Alexander or is it going to be Dre Greenlaw? Uh, um, I think it's going to be Quan. I don't think Dre's quite ready to play over him yet at that spot. I do think he'll get a little bit more of the reps than he was getting at the start of last year. I think he'll get repped in a little more than that, but I still think Quan is definitely our best bet there, barring injury. Which, but now if we're if that does happen, we know we have someone behind him who can make plays, so that's really important. Yeah, I'm I'm in that I'm in that camp too. I I believe Quan Alexander is the guy who's going to start the will linebacker position. I don't think it's going to be Greenlaw. I, I think Quan has earned that spot. He, he's shown that he can play in that spot. We brought him in to play that spot. That's the whole reason we, we signed him and brought him in in the first place. Uh, the big thing is just going to be, can he stay healthy? But like you said, Horse, if he isn't, and he something does happen, God forbid, Greenlaw can step in and fill that role in and show him that he can fill that role in and, and play it at a high level. Uh, but I think Greenlaw's strengths as a, as a run stopper fit better for, for that Sam, Sam position in Salah's defense. And so I believe we're going to see a lot more of that with Alexander at the will and Greenlaw at the Sam. Yeah, I think it's going to be more even this year. I think that um, Quan is going to start, and I think he's going to play a lot of the third and, and longs in the nickel, and I think that uh, Dre Greenlaw is going to play more to the third and short to help stop the run. I think he's a little bit better in uh, that type of situation. You know, he's better tackler. So I, I think it's going to be more balanced this year, but they're they're both good, really good against the pass. I just think – that Quan is just a little bit better than he is. So Fred Warner will never come off the field, and then I think the other two will kind of split time. But I do expect Quan to play more than I expect uh, Drake Greenlaw to play. I think money has a lot to do with that. They're still paying the man a lot of money to be out on the field. Plus, 
He brings the intangibles we've already talked about. He's, you know, brings all the energy. You can't have that on the sideline. You got to you got to have that on the field so that way he can help, you know, keep the energy up and have these guys making plays, especially on third and long where you need that pass rush, you need that secondary to be hyped and playing how they're supposed to be playing. So, Alex, what 49ers linebackers that were that we haven't talked about sticks out to you? Um, I'm going to go with the, the guy they just signed out of Arizona, Joe Walker. Um, he's a seventh-round pick. He was on the practice squad with the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, the, the big thing was is he, he got signed last year by Arizona off the practice squad from the Eagles. And he did, a, did an amazing job, filled in for the first-round pick uh, that Arizona had that was kind of fizzling out, wasn't really playing well. They weren't very happy with his production. They benched him. Uh, they promoted Walker to the to the starting job, and 60-plus uh, tackles last year had a very high tackle percent rate, um, was one of, one of the higher guys in the league, actually. And uh, I, I think he's just a guy who's going to be able to come in and kind of balances the linebacking core out. they got three young guys who all cover well in space, and he is going to be a guy who comes in, and we're not really asking him to do much coverage. Just come in, and can he be a guy who can stop the run, make tackles, make plays, uh, cover guys out of the backfield, a maybe thumper. a thumper. Yeah, another guy who can lay the heat, bring the heat for the hot boys. He'll be the uh, the fourth fourth hot. No, we're not gonna do fourth hot boys. Okay, the well, the noise. <laughs> but yeah, no, Joe Joe Walker. Uh, I, they they went out and signed him. He he did a really great job against NFC West opponents. And uh, <laughs> Shanahan got to see him a lot, and Salah got to see him a lot. And I think it's just for them, it was a a good fit. All right, I'm going to go with Aziz Alshair. Aziz was on the team last year as an undrafted rookie. He really popped during the uh, preseason. He made a lot of good plays. He was fun to watch. Um, he ended up making the team as an undrafted rookie. He played a lot on special teams. He played in all 16 regular season games. He, he also got a little bit of run when... Quan went down, and they were in three linebacker sets, and he didn't look out of place. And then he also has a fantastic story to go with this, is that his family became homeless after his sophomore year of high school. He rode a bus two hours each way to school and back. He got a scholarship to Florida Atlantic University. He became a three-year starter or four-year starter there, led them in tackles his first three years was a Butkus Award nominee going into his senior year, and he tore his ACL about four weeks into the season, so he went undrafted, and he had to work his backside off to make the Niners team, which he did. And so going along with how he played last year in that story, I think he's going to continue to put in that work, and I think he's going to become a pretty good player. I went with uh, undrafted free agent Jonas Griffith. From Indiana State, he's uh, six foot three. He's two hundred and fifty pounds. You know, he had a, in his four year college career, he had three hundred eighty two tackles, fourteen sacks, and three interceptions. He can play both inside and outside linebacker. And um, you know, when the 49ers play this, the three stack linebacker is perfect for him. He's he's gonna he's a tackling machine. He can play the run really well. So I think where he'll have to make his mark is on special teams. But um, I think there's going to be a huge disadvantage for him this year because he's not going to have any preseason games to play. So I'm not sure if he'll actually make the team. I think he's probably a possibility as a practice squad player now. Originally, I was thinking he was going to beat out some guys, but I just don't know with the, the new changes to the offseason, the training camp, and no preseason games. So 
But I think he's someone to watch because I'm curious to see how he looks as far as how he blitzes and how he plays the position and how he measures up to the other guys. I mean, he's definitely got good guys to learn from. And I think if he if he can step up real fast, he could be someone that could be a big-time player for the 49ers in the future. Um, Horst, do the 49ers have the best linebacking core? I think they're darn close if they don't have it. Darn close? Darn? There's no one's core that I would sit there and look at and say, oh, man, I'd rather have those guys than the group they have. I think there's about four or five teams sitting there that can lay claim to that title. But I think they're as good as anyone in the league. And for the system they run, I think their linebacking core is perfect. I think Seattle, people still rank them number one, number two. I think Seattle's core is getting old. I they're both their main guys Wagner and um, KJ Wright. KJ Wright took a clear step back last year, so so they're stepping back while the Niners' core is moving forward. I think they're going to pass them this year. Um, like I said, I don't know where I would rank them, but I wouldn't rather have a different group for the defense. Yeah, this is where we I mentioned this earlier. You got uh, rankings have to be a combination of what have you done for us lately and what have you done? Um, but they got to, people have to stop ranking what you have done as the end all be all sort of the, the top echelon of how you look at, at a group or a core or an individual and be like, yeah, it's top of his game. The Lakers made this mistake with Kobe Bryant at the end of his career. He was not worth the money that he was making at the time. God rest his soul. Um, but they you don't know, overpaying for guys who are way past their prime because of what they've done for you in the past is uh, is is kind of in, it's kind of insane. It's an insane thought. And it's an insane process. Uh, PFF had the Niners linebacking core ranked at ten. Yeah, that's that's nuts to me. That's Especially it's darn, darn good. Well, it's crazy because the Cowboys the Cowboys were ranked second, and their best linebacker is off the field for half of a season every other year. I don't understand. But they have the Wolf Hunter. Yeah, but they have one of the worst passing defenses in the league. I don't. I don't understand how your linebacking core can be the best or a top three linebacking core when you're giving up forty points a game. So uh, this is a young group. They make their mistakes. They have errors, but uh, I think uh, they're highly undervalued and being essentially slept on. And I don't know how you can sleep on the hot boys. So I think the league needs to watch out this year because uh, they're they're coming. They're coming hard. I think they're top ten. I don't know if they're ready to be in the top echelon of the top five, but I def- definitely think they're in the top ten. Um, I think if they clean up the tackles and they make some more plays and stopping the run, if our run defense improves, I definitely think they're one of the top, if not the top, linebacking core. I think they have the potential to be so. Dre Greenlaw's growth this year, Fred Warner, even more growth probably to an all-pro player. And then if Quan Alexander can stay healthy, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think they could be in the top five. They have all the ability. They have good backups. They have a strong group. Um, they make plays on special teams. These guys are playmakers now, the causing turnovers. And if, if they take it to the next level, then they'll definitely be top five next year. And then we can start talking about, is this one of the better linebacking cores that we've ever seen in the 49ers history? I know you brought that up, Alex. And I think that is a question for the future. I think if Dre Greenlaw can improve and and, and Quan can stay healthy, 
then they'll be mentioned in that because um, I think, you know, the, the gold standard is still Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman, especially as the two interior guys, that's the gold standard. And, and I think they have a ways to go to get there, but you know, something we need to talk about. Um, I want to go behind the whistle. Behind the whistle. Because I want to talk about linebacker coach D'Amico Ryans. So, what do you guys think about D'Amico Ryans, Alex? Uh, the big thing is I'm, I'm impressed with what he's done. He's only been coaching in the league for three years. Um, he's only been in San Francisco for three years. He started as a quality control coach, um, took over in, in 2018. And I, and I think you can see just by the way Warner has kind of developed during, during the time that D'Amico Ryans has been the, the linebacking coach, the inside linebacking coach anyway. Um, the development that, that he has had, I think uh, the addition of the pieces that we've we've added, that he's done a wonderful job of getting them coached up and getting them ready. Um, the job he did with Drake Greenlaw last year, not just not just with his development as a player, but getting him ready to play at the level that he played at, and having to switch positions from Sam to Will, is a kind of a, the feather in the cap of the job that that he has done with getting these linebackers not just prepared and understanding the game. But being able to play at a high level, adapt on the fly, and really hone in on the things that are important. Like it's it's hard. It's already hard enough as a professional athlete to play against the best competition day in and day out in a sport like football, where you're taking a beating. You're not always feeling 100. percent Can you find the motivation to to show up and do the things you need to do, um, and and do it without complaining? Um, the fact that he's got these young guys who or on rookie contracts who are making big money and are being asked to do things like Fred Warner step up and be the guy who's the signal caller. Dre Greenlaw, not only are you going to come in and you're playing Sam, oh, now you're playing Will because the guy that we brought in to fill out the linebacking core and bring the experience and the energy is on the sideline for half the season. Um, it, it just goes to show kind of how the consummate professional probably he was as an athlete. I, I can't speak to it. I don't know when he was playing linebacker. Um, I, I never really heard a negative thing about D'Amico Ryans when he was playing, but he's obviously brought some sort of professionalism and preparation and how to prepare to play a linebacker in the NFL, in this defense at a high level. And I'm looking forward to see what he can do with, with the guys he currently has, these young, this young core, um, and also to see potentially what he's going to do with his coaching staff going forward because he might be a guy that they're grooming going forward to, to play a bigger role than just coaching the linebackers. Yeah, I remember D'Amico Ryans as a really solid player for 10, 12 years, several-time Pro Bowl, several-time All-Pro. I believe it was with Houston, Cleveland, and Philadelphia were the main places he played. Now, um, in Philadelphia, he definitely learned how not to coach. He played for Chip Kelly. So, then he played for the Browns. I don't know who the coach was, but it didn't go well. So... When they picked him up, I think it was in 2017, I was pretty excited to hear that. He was a very good player. Um, and I think, like Alex said, with the young guys that they have on their team, how well they're doing, I think it clearly goes to show that he's doing a good job of getting these guys ready to play every week, of improving them during the off offseason. Uh, he works well with Sala. And anything you read says that D'Amico Ryan is on the fast track to becoming a defensive coordinator and maybe even a head coach one day, he's considered by a lot of people 
to be a rising star in the industry. He's only three years in. So I think that D'Amico Ryans is a fantastic linebackers coach. Now, is he just inside backers or is he all of them? Inside backers. Just inside. I wasn't sure. He does a darn good job. That's yeah, true. he was he was been referred to as coach since he played in college, and um, he would he would always think about strategy. You know, like when somebody would call a defense, uh, what should have actually been called, or what he would have called in that situation. So he's been playing it out for a while. He met Kyle Shanahan when uh, Kyle coached in Houston, and he also um, played for Robert Sala. Sala was one of the linebackers coaches in Houston. So there's your connection. Um, he was uh, he was gifted. As being a coach, they said he could lead, he could communicate, and he can handle mental element of the fast-paced game. Um, Alex alluded to the fact that he helped Fred Warner translate from college to the pros so fast, and he understands what it takes to be successful on and off the field, and I think that's what he brings to the table, is he can teach these guys from his own experiences. And he played for 10 years for you know a couple of different teams, so he can definitely you know pick up and, and, and feel the things that they're going through, so he knows how to help them, lead them, in a certain direction. So I like that D'Amico Ryans is a guy that um, is teaching these guys because he understands exactly what it takes to be successful in the NFL. And I'm curious to see, is you know, could he eventually be the replacement for Robert Sala as defensive coordinator when uh, Sala eventually gets the head coaching job? You know, that that is a definite possibility, and maybe they're grooming him for that. Um, from quality control coach in 2017 to inside linebackers coach now, He's definitely a fast track guy. They they think he's a really smart guy, and it's it's shown with the Hot Boys. He's doing a good job. So D'Amico Ryan, somebody that we can watch during the season, and uh, now we're more familiar with um, you know who's teaching these great linebackers and coaching them along the way. Thank you for listening to the 49ers Cutback Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Pods, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Don't forget to click the follow button so you won't miss an episode. You can always follow us on Twitter at 49ers Cutback. We'll be back soon with another great episode. Stay safe and remember, the right way is always the 49ers way.